in the midst of it all, sometimes I can't help but ask the question, maybe you guys can relate, am I ever going to stop messing up? <laughs> am I ever going to stop messing up? Like, I mess up all the time. Like, I say the dumbest things to my wife sometimes. Can anybody relate? That was part of why my week was so long. <laughs> I got some honest guys over here like, yeah, that's me. I say some dumb things sometimes. And then, and then my kids, I have these poor attitudes with them sometimes. And they're just kids, and, and they catch my short end, and I don't give them my best. And then maybe even at work, my coworkers, maybe I have wrong perspective of my coworkers and, and don't engage them in a way that ultimately reflects the character of Christ. And, and that really becomes the next question that I'm forced to ask. Is my character a reflection of the character of Christ? And I think as followers of Jesus, that's a question that every single one of us has to ask and maybe continually ask as we go because the reality of it is we will not ever get it right. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all have character inadequacies and deficiencies. We all fail the same way I do. So you're in good company. And the reality of it is, is if we don't seek God and say, where am I at right now? in regards to your character being made alive in me, then we'll continue in that track towards failure rather than continue towards success because I believe that we become successful when we pursue the character of Christ in our lives. Now, character does not change your circumstances. Character, however, does change your response to circumstances. Now, I'm in pursuit of Christ's character in my life, and, and, and even in that, I fail in my consistency and the way I engage, but I desire his character being formed in me. And I think about this character thing all the time. I've been reading a guy named Oswald Chambers, and uh, in, in some of his writing, he wrote this about character. He said, we are only what we are in the dark. All the rest is reputation. What God looks at is what we are in the dark. The imaginations of our minds, the thoughts of our heart, the habits of our bodies, these are the things that mark us in God's sight. So I'm, that's why I'm excited that we're in this series called Forged right now because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the idea of forging the character of Christ or having the character of Christ forged in us. And um, really, this process of forging is an interesting one. It's a very painstaking process. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever looked at what a blacksmith does in order to forge metal, but he applies immense heat to metal and then applies incredible force to that metal repeatedly over and over and over again in order to reshape that metal into an instrument that is usable, suitable for someone's purpose, right? Well, the characteristic that I believe God wants to shape in us that I'm going to share with you about today is this one about meekness. Now, I need to let you know something about meekness. One, I don't consider myself a meek man. I don't consider myself having attained this character. I feel like I'm on a journey and that God is working this out in me. I'm in that painstaking process of having immense heat applied to me, immense pressure force, maybe even blunt force trauma upside the head, <laughs> repeatedly, <laughs> over and over again, in order to form this character. So I want you to know that just because the man up here sharing the word with you doesn't have yet attained it, right, that he hasn't reached that, doesn't mean that this truth is not still true. See, God's going to minister to all of us through this truth that I share today, even me. So I'm on this journey with you guys. Now, meekness 
is a characteristic that's defined most loosely as gentle or lowly or humble, right? And that's maybe one surface level of this definition, but there's another definition that really is important to consider, which is a little bit more meaningful in my opinion. It's this idea of bridled strength. I'm gonna illustrate this way. Are there any horse lovers in the room? Anybody love horses? Got a couple equestrian fans, right? So I like horses, I think they're beautiful. I've ridden them a few times. And uh, when a horse in the ancient Greek culture was wanted to, uh, someone wanted to take a horse and make it usable. For instance, a farmer wanted to make a horse a workhorse or a warrior wanted to make a horse a war horse. What they would do is a blacksmith would forge this bit and a bit was pretty much like a, uh, a dowel that would go in between the front and back teeth of the horse. And they would forge that out of like bronze or iron and that bit would be attached to something called a bridle and that bridle would go around the head of the horse and be attached to the bit and then there would be reins that are attached to the bridle and the rider of the horse would now be able to control that horse to direct him by pulling the reins one way or the other or to stop him by, by pulling back on the reins or, or to uh, let that horse know, hey, it's time to run just by kind of letting off the reins a bit, right? And it would apply pressure to the gums of the horse. And that horse, that horse was a majestic wild stallion, right? But now it's under the control of the one whom's riding it. That horse has not lost its strength though. That horse is incredibly strong. That horse is as strong as it's ever been, but now that horse is submitted to the will of its master. That horse is called meek. That's what they would have called that horse. It was a meek horse. Meekness, this character of meekness, it doesn't mean we become weak. That horse ain't weak. Meekness is not weakness, but power under control. Meekness is not weakness, but power under control. Let me give it to you in a little bit more of a bite-sized fashion form that you can put in your pocket. Meek ain't weak, y'all. That's memorable. Meek ain't weak. I went horseback riding one time with some friends. It was like 15 years ago, almost to the day. I was like 19. And um, I remember me and my friend that went up last we showed up last and we were late and everybody else was already on the trails and uh, we got the pick of the litter the last two horses right they were just beautiful thoroughbreds and um and we asked the stable hand we said well which one's appropriate for who right so you know they're like i don't know it was like some young buck and uh it was like I guess I'll jump on this one. And my other friend jumped on that one. And so we get out there and we're riding and, and we're doing good. And we get probably about halfway down the trail. And my friend's horse has been a little bit hesitant, right? Just kind of, you know, no, nah, I don't really want to go as fast as you want me to go. No, I don't want to keep up. No, I don't want to go that direction. And, and all of a sudden that horse starts dropping and spinning and kind of rearing back. And, and my friend's like, you know, wigging out, rightfully so. <laughs> and so I'm kind of heading towards my friend's horse to maybe try to grab, help grab control because maybe they didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden that horse takes off back towards the stable, right down the path they came. So I'm in hot pursuit, right? I'm like, man, my friend's going to get killed up in here. So I'm, I'm trying to go like, I'm thinking of all the, you know, medical things I need to do if, if they get like crushed under that horse. I'm CPR, what do I do? Blunt force trauma, oh my goodness. Um, so we get back to the stable and, and she jumps off the horse, right? And I was like, well, we're, we're still gonna ride. <laughs> we didn't come up here not to ride. So I said, let me try that horse. I said, you know, I'm, I'm an alpha male. <laughs> you know, I got this. So I jumped on that horse and took that horse back out. 
And that horse was still resistant, but I did manage to control that horse. And we didn't get as, as far as we'd have liked to. And we wound up having to go back and, and uh, realize that that horse just wasn't going to let us ride. And I think that horse is a lot like us sometimes. The horse is bridled. It's got the bit. It's maybe connected to the rider. But in the middle of the journey on the way towards where that horse was supposed to go, it decided, no, I don't want this. This isn't what I want to head back down the path I came. I want to get back to the stable, the place of comfort and safety, the place where, where maybe I came from. I don't want to go on this new journey. We can be just like that horse, but God wants to forge this character of meekness in us so that we begin to submit to his lordship and leadership in our lives so that he can direct our steps wherever it is that he's calling us to go. Now, there's two things about meekness that I think are important to know. One, it's a fruit of the spirit. Uh, in Galatians 5, uh, it says that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, that, that humility, that lowliness, right? that bridled strength, that, and then temperance. Now, remember, we all fall short. We all have inadequacies. We all mess up at times. But that's the cool thing about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not something that you actually create on your own, right? What happens is as we draw near the God and we press in, we begin to abide. That's a term you're going to hear in a little bit or remain in God, right? He begins to remain in us and his fruit, the fruit of his spirit becomes more and more our character, more and more of who we are and it just pours out of us. Now, the tough thing about that, which I've got to own too, is if I'm not exhibiting the fruit of the spirit, isn't that an indictment on where I'm at in my relationship with God? Don't get me wrong, we're all on this journey of sanctification and we're moving towards perfection and so on and so forth. I get all that, but, but there's supposed to be some evidence of this fruit operating in our lives. And if we're missing it in, in, in regards to meekness today specifically, then I want to challenge you guys, not only through this message, but leaving here today, that you will begin to press in more intentionally to God because as you do, this will become your reality. The second thing, Jesus says the meek will be blessed. Anybody up in here want to be blessed? Everybody's hanging. Yeah, I want to be blessed. Of course I want to be blessed. You want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. You want to be blessed? Blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. I want to be blessed. We all want to be blessed. But sometimes we misinterpret what that blessing might look like. And sometimes the painstaking process that God wants to bring us through in order to bring that blessing is one that we would prefer to resist. And in Matthew chapter 5, we see Jesus, he's about to preach the greatest sermon that was ever preached. As a matter of fact, I want to challenge you guys, if you haven't read Matthew 5, or even Matthew 5 through 7, it's this whole sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. If you haven't read this lately or ever, go home today and read Matthew chapters 5 through 7 and allow God to speak to you about what living a Christ-centered, Christ-following life looks like. But as Jesus was uh, opening up this message, he begins with this section called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, that word, I know it sounds kind of, you know, Bible-ish, which is okay. We, we talk about the Bible up in his church. So what I want to do is help you know what that means. Beatitudes means blessed, uh, supreme blessedness, supreme blessedness or divine joy. Now, the interesting thing is, is listen to how Jesus begins to define what divine joy is. So so he gathers his disciples around. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he says things like this, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. If you're mourning in here today, a blessing's coming. 
I promise you. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted. These are not like the type of things that we think of when we associate the word blessing with something, right? And in the middle of all that, he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, like us, the Jews at this time, this was the uh, a large demographic of the people uh, of the society that Jesus was born into and began to start his ministry in. Um, Jesus was, by in the Jews' mind, the promised Messiah. Uh, hopefully, they were hoping he was the promised Messiah. We know that today he was the promised Messiah, but they had a different understanding of what that meant. They thought that this Messiah, which means Savior, really, Savior of the world, was coming to do something else to restore the kingdom of Israel to all its pomp and power and prestige. They thought that everything that once was the way it was, where they had authority and control, that Jesus was going to be this conquering king that would bring it back. But Jesus didn't come as a conquering king. Jesus didn't come as a king that would lead revolutionary guerrilla war fighters to rebel against the Roman Empire to right the wrongs of the atrocities that the Roman Empire committed against the Jews. That's not what he came to do, and that's what they wanted him to do. And they're like, you're talking about all this lowly stuff, all this gentle stuff, but you're supposed to be a warrior. You're supposed to be a conquering king. Meek is weak. And all the excitement that they had about the the miracles and the healings that Jesus was doing began to sour into disappointment as they realized that he wasn't going to restore the kingdom in the way that they had first expected. And we can think that meek is weak sometimes too, can't we? Because we're kind of a take the bull by the horns kind of culture, aren't we? We've got a lot of bravado and rugged individualism. And I think that that's good on one hand, we should be active and engaging, but on the other hand, what can happen is we can miss the reality that Jesus didn't just come to build our thing. Jesus came to seek and save the lost and to destroy the works of the enemy, and when we get too focused on Jesus building our thing, then we forfeit our ability to be strong in him. We get really ambitious and we seek our own will and our own desires. And we start saying things like, anything less than the dream is insufficient. Anything less than my goals being fulfilled, well, that's not even blessing. But as we can see, Jesus defined blessing as something a little bit different than maybe some of us think. And we build our kingdom, we build our business, we build our estate, we build our, we build our platform, our political platform, we build our relationships, we build even our ministries. I'm owning this. And we do it in our own strength. And when we do that in our own strength, we're actually in the weakest position we can be as a follower of Jesus. And ultimately, we forfeit our meekness and we're resisting the lordship and leadership of God and his Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's a bad place to be. So as you build, what I want to encourage you to do is submit to the Father. Acknowledge that you are imperfect, that you do have a sin nature. Your tendencies are to run from God, not towards him. And, and, and acknowledge that you're weak. And as you seek him in your weakness, he is faithful to make his strength perfect in you. Now, you got to understand, Jesus came, okay, and, and, and really 
he wanted us to choose what he's offering. So I want to say that when you choose meekness, you'll inherit more than your business. You'll inherit more than your relationships. You'll inherit more than your investments. You'll inherit more than that investment, uh, that, rela- that relationship with that girl that you're, that you're doing improper things with, looking for fulfillment. Or that guy that you're doing improper things with, looking for fulfillment, you'll inherit more than that. You'll inherit God's love. You'll inherit... The earth, you'll inherit his kingdom and all of the benefits of it if you'll choose meekness. So here's a little more about meekness to give you some clarity. Some things meekness is not. Meekness is not related to personality. If it was, then I would have, you know, like a get out of jail free card because my personality is pretty engaging. I'm a little scrappy, like, you know, Get down or lay down, you know, hey, we got business to handle, so be about your business or I gotta go. I'm, I'm, not, always, I'm not always gentle. Ask my wife. Mm-mm-mm. But if we allow our personality to become our cop-out for meekness, then we miss everything that God wants to do in us. We're all called to meekness, no matter your personality type, just because you're not disposition towards a gentle and lowly spirit doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility to allow that that fruit of the spirit to become part of who you are. But meekness is also not passivity. So let's not get it twisted. Meekness is not passivity in leadership in your home, in your community, or your local church. Meekness is about being activated. It is about being engaging. However, it's about doing that, being strong yet bridled under the control of our Lord Jesus. So it's not passivity. It's not refusing to lovingly confront and correct unhealthy attitudes and behaviors in your home. It's not letting kids just act a donkey. I'm trying to figure that out right now. <laughs> donkey. It's not conceding to defeat in the midst of trial either. It's not hanging your head low and saying, woe is me. No, it's saying, I can't overcome this, but Christ's power in me can. Meekness is not weakness. It is power under control. Now, meekness is seen in someone who hands his calls over to God instead of defending himself. As I mentioned before, this is one of my great struggles. I like to be in control. And he commits his way to the Lord knowing God is his vindication and she absorbs adversity and criticism without lashing back and he is teachable and waiting to learn and yet remaining slow to speak and quick to listen. He follows God happily with hope and joy, believing that God is interested even in the smallest details of his or her life. And he puts his trust in God in all circumstances. She she anticipates all that God has promised and remembers how much he or she has been forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, God has set our sin apart from us. And we remember that. And we find joy in the evidences of God's grace in our lives. And we take pleasures in the joy of others. And you're like, hey, man, it's easy to be excited when my homeboy's like, yeah, what's up? It's easy when my friends are up. I can be up. I can, I can ride on their wave of excitement. But you know what? Some of us even struggle with that. But then Paul, like, he steps it up to a whole nother level. Paul's a, an apostle sent by Jesus to proclaim the good news in this time, in this place, uh, not long after Jesus 
went on the cross and ascended to heaven. And, and this is what Paul says in a letter to his friends at the church of Corinth. He says, I take pleasure in what? Oh, blessings. No. In infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. Not for my own sake, but for God. For Jesus, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So if meekness is not weakness, but power under control, then we will want to look, because we want this, we want to know where to get that from. Like, I talked about the fruit of the Spirit, right? But, but ultimately, I think the best example of meekness that we can find in the Bible is Jesus himself. See, the true, the best example of, of meekness is really exemplified perfectly by Jesus, See, Jesus is as powerful as they've ever been. Jesus is the creator of heaven and earth and all things in this universe. They were created in him and by him and for him and all things are held together in him. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the author and finisher and perfecter of our faith and salvation. He is that conquering king. He's coming on a cloud of glory to claim what is his. He is our victor. He has conquered sin and death. The grave has been overcome in our name for us, for us. He did that for us. He is the epitome of strength. That's a good time for that praise break right now, you know? But this is what he says. He says in Matthew 11, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am what? Meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't, he didn't come with this bravado. He came with a gentle authority. There's power under control. He had this power of God in him that was completely controlled and submitted to the will of the Father. Jesus stepped off the throne into the midst of our mess and he was sinless and he lived a perfect life in his humanity. There's some lies out there right now that would say that Jesus did not live a perfect life. He lived a perfect life. And he was submissive and never resisted the, father, uh, the Father's will. And, he, and his total trust in God really enabled him to show compassion and courage in some of the most difficult times. And his, he was self-sacrificial in one of the most hostile situations. And Jesus goes on the cross. Jesus goes on the cross at Calvary, and he dies on the cross. His blood is shed on the cross to pay the price for our imperfection, for our weakness, for our sin nature, something that we couldn't do on our own. Jesus covered it all in that one moment. The innocent went on the cross. He humbled himself unto death is what the word said. So how did Jesus become this way? Well, he's God. He, he, duh. He, well, according to the word, he didn't lack for any experience of temptation that we Experience. He experienced all temptation. So right before that message that Jesus preached, the, the Sermon on the Mount, we see Jesus saying, hey, I, I, I'm about to start my ministry, right? This is his opening statement, right? He's about to make like, he kicked the door open, boom, preaching the kingdom of God, okay? And he's like, I gotta, I gotta get close to the Father. I need, I need his power and his presence in order for me to be successful in this endeavor. Even Jesus knew that. So he goes to the wilderness, right? And in the wilderness, he encounters extraordinary adversity. Side note, adversity oftentimes does produce character in us. So we don't want to run from adversity, right? 
And Jesus goes to the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days from food so that he will weaken his flesh so that his spirit man would come to life. He wanted to hear from the Father. And Satan in this time knew, well, he's weak in the flesh, so I'm going to tempt him. And, and Satan tempts him with food. And Jesus says, I'm not going to yield to that. Yeah, I'm hungry. I mean, I love a cheeseburger right now, but I'm not, I'm not going to take that passion that's inside of me for food right now. I'm not going to take this hunger for this thing right now because I've got something else that I'm doing. And I'm going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He said, I'm gonna, I, the word of God is what I need. And then Satan tempted him again with worldly offerings. And, and what did he do? He said, I'm rejecting all of that, all of your promise of what the world has to offer. That's irrelevant. It's, it's insufficient. It's inadequate and incomparable to the, the promise and inheritance of the kingdom of God. And that's what I have. And Satan tempted him to rise up in his own strength and power. He said, throw yourself off this high place. He said, you call some angels over here to hook you up and let you, let you down to the ground safely. You'll be fine. And Jesus said, I didn't come to save myself. I came to save others. And I'm not going to tempt my God. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to resist you. I'm going to abide in the Father. I'm going to remain in him. I'm going to trust him for all my needs because he's going to meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. He has everything I've ever needed, and that's what I'm going to stand on. That's what Jesus said. And in John 15, 4, we later see that this idea of remaining in the Father, he teaches this to his disciples. He's teaching this to us right now. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He's saying, without me, you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Without me, you don't have meekness. You want to try to manufacture that on your own? It's all just personality. You want the power of God in your life? You've got to abide in the Father, in Jesus. Oswald Chambers, again, I've, I've really enjoyed reading him lately. Sometimes I just like to read some classics. And, and he wrote this. He wrote, our, in, our Lord's inner abiding was pure and unblemished. He was at home with God wherever his body was. He never chose his own circumstances, but was meek, submitting to his father's plans and, and directions for him. Think of the things that take you out of the position of abiding in Christ. You say, yes, Lord, but just a minute. I still have this to do. Yes, I'll abide in you as soon as this is finished or as soon as the week is over. As soon as Sunday comes, God, I'll abide in you. It will be all right, Lord. I'll abide then. You know, my dad, he passed away uh, two and a half years ago. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how long it takes to work through the process of, of great loss. You know, one of the promises that Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Um, you know, I cling to that personally. And, uh, you know, I didn't know that my dad had recorded a, a testimony right before he passed away. Uh, man, he got this horrible cancer that just killed him quick. I mean, it was, it was a big deal. And uh, my dad, he told his testimony, and in his testimony, the, the overarching idea was as he went back through everything that he had done, he said, I remember this moment when God called me. I remember this moment when God called me, and that moment when God called me, and this moment when God said, no, surrender, abide, remain in me, yield everything. And he, said, he kept saying, no, I just got to get to this place. 
I just got to get this goal knocked out. I just got to build that part of the business so that I can hand it off. I've just got to get my wife to this place to where she can kind of begin to come along for the journey. And in the process, he lost his wife. He lost the hearts of his kids. That's a whole nother story. He lost everything that he built, seven figures in contracts, net profit that following year before my mom left. Everything was taken from him. No savings, no house, everything. He lost it all. And he looked back on his life in his testimony and he's saying, I wish I would have just abided. I wish I would have just responded to God. And, 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 and that time, you know, that we had in the last few years of his life, he did surrender. He gave his life to Jesus. Yeah. And our relationship was completely and, and wholly restored. And I didn't just give my dad back the authority of, of, of dad in my life, which was taken from him at 12 years old, but I also gained a brother in Christ. And, and that was an ex the, one of the greatest blessings I'll ever have to this day. But I can't help but hear those words. And he's told me this, submit, just submit, dude. Quit trying to build your thing, man. God will build that. Seek the kingdom of God and all else first, and, 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 and all else will be added unto you. Does that sound a little too spiritual? Sometimes we want really practical things, but I don't think we can underemphasize or shouldn't underemphasize spiritual things. I don't think we can overemphasize spiritual things. We're spiritual beings in these earthen vessels. We have to focus on these spiritual realities. It's practical and spiritual. Abide in the Father. But I do want to give you a couple practical steps as we begin to kind of wrap this up. One, if you want to be meek, I think we need to run with meek people. You need to make friends with meek people. Proverbs 22 says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who's easily angered, right? That's kind of the opposite of this gentleness, this lowliness, right? When, when we get angry, oftentimes it's because things are out of our control. It's a response to feeling like we've lost control, but really it's not supposed to be our control anyway. It's supposed to be the Father. So, so this is an example of someone who's not meek. And, and here we have this uh, Solomon, I'm assuming wrote this particular proverb, right? And uh, he says, don't get yourself ensnared by these people. So when you run with angry people, you become angry. When we, you run with haughty, proud people, you become haughty and proud. But if you'll run with meek people, you'll have a tendency to become more meek because that rubs off on you. I think it's important that we not neglect the fact that we're going to encounter people who are not meek all the time, and we ourselves will not be meek all the time, and we need to you know, make room for people to be who they are, and also remember that the Great Commission is more than just having a couple close meek friends around you. you got to go into some messy places, right? So I don't want to discount that, but, but our closest core of people, it ought to be meek people if, if you want to be meek. Now, about other people, number two, we should moderate our expectations of others. I have a difficult time with this sometimes. I hold myself to a really high standard. So I'll start to hold others to a high standard. And in Psalms 103, we see it says, God knows our frame. He remembers what? We're dust. We ain't none but some dust that God breathes his power and presence on. And if God remembers my frailty, 
and my inadequacy and my weakness and my insufficiency, should I not remember that that is true for all of you the same? And if that's the case and God gives me grace, should you not be extended the same grace? So we should moderate our expectations of others. Is that agreeable? The third thing begins to kind of break away from those two practical things, but I think those are really important. This third thing really is walk daily in fellowship with Jesus. Now, what does that look like? Because that, again, sounds very like spiritual. Walk daily in fellowship with Jesus, brethren, and you'll, you'll begin to, well, daily fellowship with Jesus ultimately is this interaction with Jesus through prayer, worship, his word, engaging him intentionally the, for the purpose of hearing from him, uh, just experiencing his love and his presence as it washes over us, being reminded that in ourselves we are, we are imperfect, we are weak, ultimately without him we are sinners and, 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 and allowing the truth of who he is and who he's now saying we are to just become us. We say, God, I, I lay all this down at your feet. Matthew 11, remember, come unto me, all you that labor, get into my yoke, it's light and easy. You want to be meek? Fellowship with Jesus, get into his yoke. You, you don't get him into your yoke. Jesus ain't walking alongside of us quite the way that, that we like to think. Now, don't get me wrong, he is. I don't want to, you know, like nitpick verbiage here, but, but really we should be walking alongside of Christ in his yoke, right? And when we fail to be meek, again, it's an indictment that we haven't gotten into the yoke of Jesus. When we fail to, to lay things down, when we're struggling in our fellowship, me, when I'm struggling in my fellowship with Christ, it's an indictment on the health of my relationship with God. And we need God's help. We need what he has because we can't do it on our home. Without him, we will make a mess of our lives. Has anybody in here made a mess of their life? Hey, hands go up everywhere because... Because you know that we need God. The fourth thing, and I think this is ultimately as practical as it comes, though the result is very spiritual. We ask God to give us meekness. See, asking is an active thing. God, help me. God, make me meek. And that's what we're going to do right now. So let's pray. Lord, you, you have said that a gentle and quiet spirit is of great worth in your sight. Would you please give us that spirit? Would you help us, help me, Lord, to curb my tongue? Help keep me from rash judgments of others and even myself. And help me to think the best of others. God, would you help me to discern your hand working for my good, even when I face great difficulties, God, even when I face opposition, even when I'm wounded, would you help me to see your hand in the midst of it? Help me to find pleasure in the joy of others. Help me walk with Jesus so that a reflection of your meek son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, and even the suffering servant, his meekness, would be made informed in me today. God, help me remember. Help us all remember that meek ain't weak, that it's your power operating in our lives under control. And we pray those things in Jesus' name. And we're believing that you're going to make those things come to life in us. We want to abide in you, Jesus. And we're asking and believing 
that you will abide, you will remain in us. And the things that we continue to struggle with, the things that we continue to fix on our own, you'll bring about in cooperation with us as we say yes to you. You'll co-labor with us and make your fruit of the Spirit part of our testimony. You know, there's some other people that are in this room right now that that maybe are having a difficult time with that prayer that I just prayed or maybe even having a difficult time with the words that I just preached because you're like, I, I actually don't feel too, you know, proud. I don't feel too angry. I don't feel, I'm one of those personalities that just kind of gets along. Well, let me tell you something. What Jesus calls us to in meekness doesn't just start with having a meek demeanor. It starts with having a meek posture in our souls. And one of the meekest postures that our soul can take is assuming the position of a child. And when I say that to you in this room, you're like, ah, man, I'm, I'm, no, I'm a grown man. You know, who are you talking to? I'm, I'm no child. I'm handling my business. I, I'm, I got a family. I got wife. I got kids. Maybe you're a woman. Maybe you're like, hey, I'm a single parent. I've been doing this on my own a long time. I've had to be strong be a child. I haven't even been allowed to be a child in my entire life. I've never, I've never had the privilege of being a child. And you're telling me to be a child right now? Jesus says, we're to be born again as spiritual children of the Father. He says, come to me like children. That's what Jesus says. And it's by his grace that you'll be able to do it. And he's softening your heart right now and he's helping you and he's telling you, I want you right now. I want to make you my son. I want to make you my daughter. I want you to become part of my household. I want you to have every spiritual blessing that comes from being my son or daughter. I'm here with open arms. I'm knocking on the door of your heart. All you need to do is open up and say, daddy, I want you. I want your love. I want your forgiveness for, for trying to do this without you. I want your forgiveness for, for trying to be my own God and control this life that you've given me. And I surrender that control. That's gonna be your prayer. And if that's what you desire, you desire forgiveness. You desire surrender. You desire the love of the Father and his grace and his Holy Spirit to come into you and become the power that propels you to purpose, that propels you to, to do great things for God, that propels you to be able to serve the people that are in your life and to love them well. If that's what you desire, then all you have to do is throw your hand up right now. Is there anybody in this room? I see you over here. Anybody else? I see you back there. I see you over here. Anybody else in this room that desires? I see you over here. I see you over here to my left. I see you over here. I see you here. There's hands that are going up and they're saying, I surrender. Surrender is not weak. Is there anybody else in here that wants to surrender? When you surrender the God, you become as powerful as you could have ever imagined because you have the power and presence of God. You can let your hands down if you've raised them already. Is there anyone else in here that wants this, that has not yet raised their hand? I see you back here. Okay, we're gonna pray. Lord God, we just come before you right now. I raised my hand in surrender. I surrender. You have a white flag. I'm laying it down. I can't do this on my own. I've tried and I've failed. Maybe I've tried and I've been victorious in so many areas of my life, but I realize now that I haven't given you control and I lay it down at your feet. Take my good, take my bad, take it all. Forgive me, 
Let me know your love. Let me know your grace. Let me know your power. Give me the fruit of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up for those people that just prayed that prayer. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.